0: God bless you. We uh, we start um, today then a new series that we are engaging with with uh, you know, fifty thousand people um, uh, around um, Cincinnati and even beyond. And, and so as we you know we sing that song we. Um, With expectation, we engage this, this series and join in this journey together and with brothers and sisters throughout the city and see what happens as God empowers and enables us to fully align ourselves with his kingdom as a particular church here and as the church in the city and really see what God does in and through us and in our city and see what new things he has in store but it entails us being a part aligning ourselves with God's kingdom and not the kingdom of this world Because the the scriptures are clear that there is a battle going on, and these two kingdoms are raging and, and seeking the allegiance of each of us and all of God's creation. And it gets really messy when two kingdoms with such different commitments collide, Um. Kathy, my wife, and I had uh, the, the wonderful privilege of receiving of, of God's generosity on our honeymoon to go to Bermuda. And uh, Bermuda was 26 years ago now, but I still remember it. It was a beautiful island, 650 miles off the coast of North Carolina, and its own little island there. And, and Bermuda lives by the, the, according to the, the kingdom, the British kingdom. It lives according to the, to the, the way they, they live in, in England, um, in, including you know, one of the, the, the rules of that kingdom. The way they live in that kingdom is they drive on the left side of the road, or as Americans say, the wrong side uh, of the road. You know, whereas we drive you know, on the, the right side. But we, we got there and we got one of those mopeds that are like a two seater and we tooled all over. And by the, the week we were there, you know, we'd gone from shore to shore to shore to shore because you can do that on this uh, little uh, um, island. Um, and we'd pretty much gotten accustomed to that way of living. And living on uh, driving on that side. So we we got home and we made a point to so, say, you know, when we land and we get in the car, we got to remember the the correct side in this kingdom to uh, drive on. And and we did for that first day. And the next day we got in the car. We were still basking in the glow of just all the, the the fun we had, the beauty of that island. And some jerk starts honking at us and yelling at us and waving his fist at us. And we're like, what's going on with that guy? And then Kathy and I look at each other and we're like. We're driving on the wrong side of the road. We're on the left side. We had just gotten back into that habit that we had just spent that last week doing. So there was a place where two kingdoms could have collided and it got really messy. It just got a little ugly from that guy yelling at us. And in our own lives, there are two kingdoms at the same time wanting our allegiance you know, it's one thing if it's, the kingdom is sort of, well, the island over there, that's a good reminder for most of us, would be. And then a 600-mile flight back ought to remind you, well, you need to change back. But I, I was thinking, what if if Britain and the United States got into a, a war over Bermuda? You know, and the way They wanted to, to change the, the rules. They, they wanted to have control of that, and they started fighting. You know? So we had to decide which kingdom were we going to be aligning with. Yeah, and which side of the road are we going to drive on? Because if we, if we align with the British kingdom, then we're going, to align, we're going to drive on the left side. And if we are um, with the, the Americans, we're going to drive on the right side. And some of us are just going to be practical. We're going to drive on whatever side of the road the other person that's coming at us isn't driving on. But in our own lives, there is a call. Of a kingdom that we're called to live in. What, which king, which ruler do we serve? What kingdom, what, what way of life will we make our own? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? Uh, The the kingdom of this world is ruled by the the prince of this world, the writers of Scripture say, or or the devil, or or Satan, or the evil one, or the father of lies, or the prince of darkness. And the kingdom of God is ruled by the king of kings. uh, One who has brought that kingdom to us in us and who lives according to that kingdom perfectly, who displays and demonstrates the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Invite uh, you to turn with me to mark chapter One, starting verse uh, fourteen that 'll be one of our passages we 'll actually look through a number of passages today actually today we 'll we'll spend a little more time focusing on the kingdom of this world than the, the kingdom of god um, and and through the course of the six weeks we 'll be spending more time unpacking, you know, what does the, the kingdom of God mean, mean for us? But today, really to recognize that there are two distinct kingdoms that are real, not just imaginary, not just nice stories, but reality. Mark chapter 1, starting verse 14, is found on page 812 in your pew Bible, or you can read on the screen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in this moment, would reveal to us the, the, the reality of these two kingdoms, and that, that you would, in this moment, Lord, would, would truly, as we've been praying and see, singing, would, would rule um, in our lives, that you would prevent any distraction that might want to take us away from hearing from you that you would um, prevent uh, in our own reactions ways that we put up defense or that we become stubborn um, so that we might hear from you. So soften our hearts because, because we want to hear and live into the fullness of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right, this is really, in, in the Gospel of Mark, some of the, the first words, the first sermon, in a sense, of Jesus. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And uh, It says, Now, after John was arrested, and that was John the, the Baptist, if you're uh, familiar with, uh, with him, who's the one that came right before Jesus. But now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So Jesus' entrance, Jesus' words, Jesus' life, in a sense, it breaks through into this life the reality of the kingdom of God. And he spends a lot of his time talking about the, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And the, the, the reality of these two distinct entities that are clamoring and working for your allegiance. Now, if we just divide... Uh, take this to be the, the dividing line uh, between the, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. All right? the, 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 the kingdom of this world. Now, partly we, we call the, the kingdom of this world not because the world, in a sense, of the earth is bad, but we call it the kingdom of this world in, in opposition to, opposite from, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the biblical writers use those two terms synonymously you know, the kingdom of God, the Kingdom of heaven, means the same thing. the place where God rules and reigns, and Jesus is king and is obeyed and the kingdom of this world then is the place where that isn 't what happens and it 's where the prince of darkness rules and and it 's uh, Interesting that, you know we call the devil the, the prince, never the king, because he's not a king. He's actually a, a defeated ruler of a, a kingdom that is in demise. For me, the greatest apologetic, the, the greatest defense in a sense, the greatest proof in my mind that there really exists a, a kingdom of evil and there exists an evil one, the personification of evil, a spiritual being who is actively pursuing and organizing and doing things through us and in us and in our world, or, or the existence of evil in our midst. And not this uh, horrific, grotesque evil, but just some of the things that are like, why is that? the case in this world. Why is it the case that in our world there are still people dying of hunger? It's not because there's not enough food. There's plenty of food to feed all the people in our world, but it doesn't get there. Because of political battles and all the rest, it, it doesn't get distributed like it needs to be. Why is it in our world that the, the, the number one moneymaker on the internet is pornography? Every study in the world shows you how destructive it is to relationships. How, as men take it in, it just for, gives them expectations that are totally unrealistic and leads them, forms them according to a world that commodifies, objectifies. Women, and yet that's the number one moneymaker on the internet. Why is it that one of the number one killers, top five killers of children under the age of five, is simply unclean drinking water? I mean, we can get people in space, we can send probes into the far reaches of space that we know, but we can't get clean drinking water to children. And thousands upon thousands of children under the age of five die every year because of that. Now, there's got to be an organized effort to make that happen. And today, there are more slaves today than any other time in human history. More slaves today. Tell me that that just happens and isn't organized by the personification of evil, the devil, the evil one, the prince of darkness, the father of lies. This, this evil one then, that, that has this, this prince, of, uh, that has this, this kingdom of this world, is active and pursuing us. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Uh, just a couple passages here that will highlight some of uh, what the scriptures say about the evil one. And no wonder, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You know, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said, you know, The devil does not show up dressed in pointed ears and a pointed tail and a pitchfork in his hand. I wish he did. It'd be easy then. It's like, whoa, no, I'm out of here. I mean, that only happens at Halloween. But in real life, the 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 the, the evil one dresses himself as an angel of light, subtly deceiving us, taking even what can be good, and making it evil and wrong he's a wolf in sheep's clothing i don't know if you got, you you guys uh, read pinocchio see the movie you know you remember that i don't know if that even fits anymore but you remember when pinocchio was invited you know to the carnival yeah you know, that that's to me that's always the mind of the the devil hey come on this is great cotton candy you know Get on the rise, eat it all you want. And then they all show up and, and then they start growing hair or ears and a the tail themselves. Pinocchio, go read it. Uh, it doesn't look like that. There's, there's a movie, too. But. So he comes as an angel of light and he works within I mean, all people seeking to deceive. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. Um, this is the event, the beginning of the church Ananias and Sapphira what happens is they have sold their land and they're going to give some of the proceeds of selling their land to the disciples for the work of the church I mean a good thing you want to do it, come on that's a good thing sell your land, you know, give 10%, 50 80% you know, give it all uh, to the work of the church But what happens with Ananias and Sapphira is they say, we're going to give you all the proceeds from the sale. But they didn't. They gave some of it. I mean, a good chunk of it. And Peter tells Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? See, I mean, that's a good thing if they'd sold the land. Say, so, yeah, we're going to give half of it. Here's half of it. Give it to the church. We all celebrate. But a good thing that the evil one takes and turns upside down. Whereas God does just the opposite. And we'll look in a little bit at the, you know, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. Whereas the kingdom of God, he takes even. He is so powerful. He can take what is evil, what is meant for bad, and turn it into something that is good. 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Again, he's, Peter's talking to the church. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. hear that picture that that Peter has then of the evil one, the adversary, the one who is against you as followers of Jesus, and the one who is cocked, ready to pounce upon us, looking to to tempt and to pull us away from following and experiencing the beauty of Jesus? There is an active pursuit on the adversary's part for you and for me and for every one of God's creation. Now on, the other, side, on the, other, the other hand, Jesus is one who comes to bring life and life to the full. John uh, chapter 10, um, verse 10 and 11. And this, this again, you, you, you hear from Jesus how he puts these two next to one another, compares them. The thief... Comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So so one comes to give life and life abundantly, the other comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't really even come to build anything, really. Not really trying to build a kingdom, just taking pot shots at the other side. Just trying to destroy what's going on on the other side. Uh, um, Been uh, telling you about the prayer walk that um, a bunch of churches uh, at at the request of the police department uh, meets um, in 15 different neighborhoods in the city. And they go for a prayer walk for an hour. Um, uh, every Saturday at 4 o'clock, we meet on this coming Saturday at 4 o'clock, actually in the parking lot, I guess, yeah, that way, there we go, but we, we walk around the neighborhood, and I and, uh, told you last uh, week that a, an atheist group you know, came in, um, uh, from out in Wisconsin, they wrote a letter to the police and saying they were going to take them to court if the police participated in that because of you know, their understanding of separation in church and state. I don't need to get into all that right now. But my point is this. And, and this actually, some uh, little newspaper, I don't know, Picayune something, called me for a, to talk about that. They must have had a really slow news day. And uh, he said, well, you know, what do you think about that? And I said, well, this you know my only thing is you know why why does a, a group have to take shots at tearing down something happening that is good you know i got no problem if they want to organize partner with the police and organize in a way that is in alignment with their convictions and their commitments in order to fight violence in our city you know, if they want to do that go right ahead but why Instead of building something up, they're trying to, do. Well, Why just tear down the good stuff that is happening. But that is the way of the evil one to simply destroy what good stuff may be going on, not to build another. Now, this, this kingdom of God that comes from Jesus isn't something, therefore, that we have to search for. Um, Luke chapter seventeen twenty one. Did I give you that one, Barry? Nope, I didn't. I wondered. Luke 17, 21. You'll just have to hear me and believe. This is what uh, Jesus uh, said. He said, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. Not, 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 something that it's over there, over there. It is in you, among you. It is Jesus alive in us, in the power of the Holy Spirit, accessible to all through Him. And finally, the last passage I want to look at is First John chapter four. Uh, I think I uh, gave that one to you. First John chapter four, starting with verse two, and and just hear how this you know. John here pits the the way of the evil one and the way of Jesus. By this, um, and that both are active in our midst. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. Little children... You are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I think some of the reasons that we don't talk about the evil one, the devil, and the kingdom of this world is because it just downright scares us. You know what I mean? that's, That's powers and abilities that are beyond things we can see, touch, feel, and smell. But but we have to understand there is an adversary that is at hand, but that adversary is defeated. And if we are in the kingdom of God, then the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. No matter how great that power might be, the power of God is greater than the power of evil. So it is a real drastic kingdom, two different kingdoms that are put before us. But it is subtle how this kingdom seeks to pull us into its throes, seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Like I said, the devil doesn't come with red ears and tail and a pitchfork. He comes in ways that are much more subtle. I asked uh, Bob Fall. Um, an elder in the church to come and just and share his story. We were at the uh, session meeting and we were talking about uh, discipleship, and um, uh, Bob shared a story there. And, and I'm like, man, this just fits beautifully. So, Bob uh, and Bob graciously agreed. Thank you, brother.
1: I usually attend first service, but I'm happy to be here. You all really get down and have fun while you worship. <laughs> Good good morning. Good afternoon. (laughs) I remember going with my father one summer evening when I was six years old to the emergency room of Deaconess Hospital in Evansville, Indiana. For about an hour or so, I watched Spellbound as he cleaned and sutured a complex facial laceration in a young man. Now, Dad was a good physician. He'd just a few years previously returned from World War II, where he commanded the first field hospital that operated in Normandy, initially on the bluffs overlooking Omaha Beach. So he was no stranger to trauma. While watching him work so expertly and efficiently, I decided that I wanted someday to be able to do exactly what I saw him doing. So for the next 24 years of my life, I focused on doing all those things I needed to do to become a surgeon. Ultimately, I went into private practice and became busy fairly quickly, and busier and busier and busier until the focus of my life became my work, almost to the exclusion of anything else. I was reared as a Christian. I was baptized and confirmed in the Presbyterian Church, and while I worked as a surgeon, I always tried to treat others as I presumed a Christian would, that is, with kindness, courtesy. Fairness, respect, perhaps even love. However, I don't think that Jesus and I were exactly on speaking terms. And Bible reading was a rare event in my life. I was not connected to God in any meaningful way. I worked under my own power for my own purposes. I was clearly a citizen of the kingdom of this world. Unfortunately, I learned too late that working like this for years and years was not a good prescription for mental, emotional, or spiritual health. And when I retired from practice, I was exhausted, burned out, and angry. I hardly knew my family, and I had few, if any, friends. Somehow, shortly after I retired, I became a part of a small group Bible study in which we read the New Testament from cover to cover over a period of many months and then we did it all over again we discussed the scripture passages we had read we talked about our lives we became friends slowly we were able to tear down our emotional walls and barriers so that we shared ourselves and our faith one to another on a deeply personal level through studying scripture with such focus and through the love and care of those Christian friends, I found a new personal Jesus who loved and cared for me. I changed. I changed not so much in outward appearance or in my behavior toward others. Rather, I changed inwardly. My purpose, my allegiance, my connection, my commitment, my sense of self. They were all different. I began to think of myself as a child of God rather than a retired physician, as a repository of the Holy Spirit rather than a machine to produce work. I think I treated others the same as always, but I found so much more joy in my relationships. I began to see how much God loved me and how he so faithfully blessed me daily. I began to work not so much for the results of my labor, but rather simply to be of service to my Lord and Savior. My wife will confirm that I am still far from perfect, but I know I have more energy and less anger than when I was on my own. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God has given me a new contentment that neither the world, nor ill health, nor disappointment can destroy. When I was diagnosed with lymphoma 13 months ago, I felt genuine pain, both physical and emotional. And I have to admit to feeling both fear and great despair when I made the mistake one day of viewing my own scans and I saw the enormous volume of tumor distributed throughout my body. I found both the disease and its treatment disagreeable. Susan told me that I was occasionally even a bit grumpy after a trip to the cancer clinic for another infusion of drugs. However, again, with the help of Christian friends and with frequent journeys through scripture, my faith in a loving God and my inner assurance that he would never abandon me did not waver. My faith in a living God and my inner assurance that he would never abandon me did not waver. I learned in a new way that contentment and peace are products of living as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and that they have so little to do with physical safety or the absence of pain. God's love, mercy, and grace are indeed sufficient. Thanks be to God. Amen. <clears throat> okay. I,
0: I want to share just a, a little bit from a, a uh, the the. Every Monday, a group of the pastors that are going through this maybe 30 or 40 of us, Karen and I meet with, with them, and, and we just talk through. Them. and you know what the, these particular topics and the essence of the, the kingdom and the kingdom come. And th- this is a, um, just a, a table of some of the stuff that, that we've been working through. There's a lot behind it, just, but just want to and we'll talk about it through the next couple of weeks as well. but just to say as we and, and as Bob so beautifully presented the story of living in the kingdom of this world in the kingdom of God and how you know, entry into the kingdom of this world is, is we're taken in by deception. You know, it's a ruse. Uh, but the kingdom of God, we receive, we receive that through an invitation, uh, by invitation. The, the authority in the kingdom of this world is one of fear. Uh, The one that overwhelms us with with power and fear, uh, but the authority in the kingdom of God, and and this maybe is the the greatest truth of all, is love. That love is what has the authority. How will we give of ourselves for the benefit of others, even uh, to cost to ourselves? Uh, the kingdom of, of this world and in our relationships is really about selfishness. It's what do I get from that relationships? Where in the kingdom of God, it, it's it's what do I give? It, it's about sacrifice, and in so giving, uh, we live life to the full. Uh, the money and the stuff of this world and in the kingdom of uh, of this world, it, it's about accumulation. It, it, it's about getting as much as much as we can. And in the kingdom of God, it's for blessing. For, for, for blessing us and blessing others and receiving and giving the stuff of this world. And in the future, in the, the kingdom of this world, the, the future is now. You know, we better make it as good as it can get right now because that is as good as it's going to get. Whereas in the kingdom of God, in the future is where the best is yet to come. Now, if there were just a few things then to to recognize as we consider this reality of two kingdoms and uh, their their call upon us for our allegiance. One is to recognize that we live in that world, that it is a battleground between those two kingdoms and those two ways of life, those two rules of the road, if you will. And that uh, Satan is, as Peter said, like a crouching lion. Just working to knock us off. But Jesus shows us that love wins. He shows us in his life and how he was betrayed, how he was beaten, how he suffered, how he died. And he did so willingly because he valued you and me, because he loved you and me. And he did so to free us, as Brian was saying, to unfetter us. I like that word. But he did not stay in the grave because love is victorious in the power of God. And God's kingdom is actually the only kingdom. The kingdom of this world really is smoke and mirrors. And and third, the other thing to do is I I just hope and and pray and encourage you that you'll participate in the small group. I mean, did you hear Bob? Did you hear what he said? Did you notice what he said was really a key element in in his moving and living from one kingdom to the other? It wasn't a sermon. No, it wasn't that it, it was in a worship service. It was that he was in a small group of people, and they just said, We're going to read through the New Testament t- uh, together through this, this year, and we're going to share our lives with one another. And through that, God revealed the truth of his beautiful kingdom to him. So, you know, getting into the small groups and making use of this, we, we do this, you know, I, I've been sort of. Um, a little more straightforward and really pushing you and telling you to be a part of this. Not, not because you know, I got a quota to meet or something. Because every story I hear is like that. And what I want for you is, is what Bob shared with us is that you'll be in a small group of people who are seeking to follow Jesus together, committed and devoting yourself to the teachings of the apostles and experience the reality and the beauty of God's kingdom. And you will stand strong against the temptations of the evil one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And the great, I don't know how many folks got to participate. I know that over 120 folks signed up, and that is awesome. And I hope that it will continue. If you didn't make it today, that's all right. Next uh, uh, Sunday, we'll um, be at it again for the five Sundays after that. And if you're you're visiting with us just for this Sunday, and then you're heading back out to wherever, be sure you're in a small group of committed followers to Jesus, uh, sharing life with each other as you walk through His Word of truth. And if you say to yourself, you know, I'm just too busy, I can't do that, or whatever other reason you give to, for, for not participating in that, um, well, maybe if you say you're too busy, you're right, you are, and you need to get less busy. Um, because it is a great tool of the enemy to distract us with busyness. It is a great tool of the enemy to to lead us to something that's good. Work is good, but too much work, when work becomes God, as Bob was sharing, that is bad. And if you aren't spending time with God and God's people in a meaningful way, then I would say you're probably in a good place because the devil's not going to worry about you because you're exactly where he wants you to be. We live in the midst of a battleground of two kingdoms. And what, as Bob shared with us, what I've experienced is is true, is that the kingdom of God is the one that brings life. And, And do all that you can. Put everything else aside so that you are in alignment with God's kingdom. Because He is the one that brings life and life. To the full. Amen. I invite you to join with me in prayer for a, a moment, and just we'll take a, a moment of of silence, just to listen and hear what the the Spirit of God might be saying to us and when we finish we'll close off the prayer with the Lord's prayer and we'll do that during this series because it's in the Lord's prayer that Jesus says thy kingdom come and our prayer is to be thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven let's, uh, let's pray together Almighty God, we rejoice before you and we give you thanks that indeed you are grand and great and more powerful and beautiful, more more loving than than we can even imagine and even believe. We rejoice that that you have invited us into the, the kingdom. You have made the way possible for us to be in your kingdom. That you have sent your Son to live for us, to die for us, to be raised to new life, and one day to return and, and bring your kingdom in, in in its fullness and to totally destroy the kingdom in the way of evil. And every time we pray, we, we are asking, Lord, that your kingdom would, would come and, and enter into our world in, in specific ways. Uh, to bring healing and physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, we lift up to you one another and those in need of your hand of healing. For Geraldine Cook, who's in the hospital this week, uh, continue to lift up uh, Donna Pestinger and um, Bob Fall and, and Pauline Bacon. Uh, continue to, to, to pray for your your hand uh, upon Becky Warren in the hospital. We ask uh, for your hand in in those relationships that are in need of reconciliation. Uh, Places where you are leading us into the way of your kingdom of, of love, of forgiveness, of grace and mercy, of truth. thank you that you hear the cries of our own heart as you bring other people to mind as you bring uh, items in our own lives ways that we want your kingdom to break through in our lives or the lives of those around us We continue to pray for John and Laura Schindeldecker, who are uh, workers of yours, mission workers on the mission field. And the country in which they're living now, they've been asked to, to leave. And uh, Lord, we, they um, believe that you are calling them to stay. And so we, we pray, Lord, that you will work through the bureaucracy all the details and make that happen for them. And for the work of your kingdom through them. And gracious God, as we we pray in one voice, as we pray the the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, we we ask, Lord, that it would not be just words that we say, that we just copy after you, but they would be words that continue to form us and mold us to be people of your kingdom. Hear us as we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done